Hey, what's up, Ocean Hills? It's John Ireland, and so excited about this morning, so excited about this summer. Before we jump into the message, a huge announcement, and that's this. And guys, you'll remember we had Kirk Cousins, the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings, several weeks ago. Do you remember what he told us when we were on that Zoom call? He said, the last thing he said is, don't let the summer go by. Don't get to Labor Day weekend and look back with regret. Look back and go, I didn't pay any attention to my spiritual life. I didn't invest in God's word and in spiritual friendships. So this summer, Ocean Hills, we're diving deep into the Psalms, learning how to pray the Psalms, learning how to connect deeply with God. There are so many ways and layers to jump in. I hope you will. I hope you'll look back on the summer and say, wow, my relationship with God, it's different. It's closer. I feel more in, invested in my walk with God and it's changing my life. Hey, let me say a brief prayer for us and then we're going to jump into the word of God today. Kind Father, you are, you really are better than we think. Your kindness is what leads us to turn towards you. And so right here in real time, right now, we turn towards you. We open our hearts, we open our ears, we open our minds, and we pray that the word of God would do the work of God in me, in us today, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're talking about fashion today. We're in a passage of scripture that, that talks about clothing and clothing yourselves. And some of you know my favorite uh, designer, fashion designer, is a guy named Armani. Those of you that are in your 20s, you probably never heard of him. But when I was in my 30s, I read an article that changed the way I thought about dressing. It thought about my wardrobe. Armani said, hey, men, pay attention. This is free advice, by the way. He said, men, you only need to wear five colors, black, white, blue, gray, and khaki. Black, white, blue, gray, and khaki. You just wear the, look at me right now. If you notice what I wear, those are the only five things I wear. Magenta, green, neon, <clears throat> just, yeah, all right. Hey, as we jump into the Word of God, I want us to think about clothing, fashion, wardrobes. And, and what I want us to think about right now, I want to talk to those of you that may be tuning in that have not yet put your faith in Christ. You would say, I'm not a believer. I'm seeking, I'm curious, I'm looking, I'm investigating. And uh, here, I'll just jump right into it. I, I want to, oh, isn't that cool that we got this wardrobe here today? I want to uh, just speak to those of you that aren't people of faith in this moment. I remember back when I was not a Christian, when I was not a follower of Jesus. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And when I thought about church people, when I thought about religion, I thought that it looked, to, to, to be, believe in Jesus looked like this. This was the wardrobe. Like a straight jacket. Why would I want to wear this? Are you kidding me? Restrictive. Can't have any fun. I can't really move around. It's, it's prohibitive. Prohibitive. It's uncomfortable. And it's like, it doesn't fit. And I just, I want to be crystal clear in this moment. If that's your perspective, if that's your view about what your life would have to look like to follow Jesus, that's a lie. You're mistaken. That's a misperception. God has so much 
more for you. And we're going to learn about that today. Now, I want to pick on another group of you. When you think of following Jesus and you think of what it looks like to be a Christian, you're not thinking straitjacket. You're, you're the person that maybe raised your hand at church years ago. You became a Christian. You got saved. And your approach is more like this. It's casual. doesn't really change my life. I mean, you know, I got it here if I need it. But, you know, I'm not really cold, so I don't need to really put the jacket on. I'm cool, not cold. You know what I mean? And, and you're walking through life. And it's more like religion, or God's just there in case you need Him. I want you to hear something from me today. You are missing out. God has so much more for you, and we're going to learn about that today. We're going to, we're going to look into this passage of Colossians chapter 3, and here's what we're going to learn. We're actually, there's another group, a third group, and that's kind of the rest of us. We kind of go in between our stained clothes are ripped, torn, they're, 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 they're stretched out. And, and some of you, you have a closet, you have a wardrobe, not unlike this. And you have clothes in there that you haven't worn in years. And then you pull it out and you're like, ooh, man, this thing doesn't fit anymore. But you keep it. Why would you keep something that doesn't fit anymore and you haven't worn it for years? Or you pull it out and you go, oh, it's got a big old stain. It's your old wardrobe. And the good news of the passage this morning is God has a brand new wardrobe for you and for me. And that's what we're going to learn today in the passage. He wants us to get rid of the old wardrobe, the old life. We've talked about that the last few weeks. There's some stuff in our life, the way we treat each other, the way we speak about each other. He's saying, I I, I want to get rid of that and I want to replace it with a new wardrobe. And so let me grab my notes. And uh, I want to read for us Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. And as you read this, I want you to just imagine a spiritual wardrobe. These are virtues that are like putting on spiritual clothes. Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, whenever there's that word, you got to ask, what's it there for? Well, Paul is saying, he's writing to Gentiles in the, in the church at Colossae, and he's saying, therefore, it's kind of everything that I've said up to this point, because of all of that, he says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and, de- and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. There it is. Underline it, circle it. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. What's he saying? What's he saying? He's saying that these are virtues that are tailor-made by God for the follower of Jesus. These are what will look and feel great when you put these on, when you clothe yourselves with these virtues. Today we're only going to talk about compassion, kindness, and humility. We'll deal with the other two next week, humility or gentleness and patience. But here's Before we jump into those words, here's what you need to hear. It's just a little nuance you might miss, but in reading and studying this week, here's what I notice. Remember, notice what you notice. There's three words that Paul uses, and these are words that were used to describe the chosen people of God, the people of Israel, the Jewish people. But now he's using those very same words to describe Gentile believers, chosen, holy, 
and loved, chosen, the chosen people, holy, dedicated to God, loved, so valuable and so treasured. And what's happening right here in this verse is Paul is tweeting in bold caps, which means he's shouting, you are chosen, you are loved, and you are so valuable to God. And so this morning, before we jump into now what we are to clothe ourselves with, I want to pause. We're going to take that Selah moment. And I'm just wondering, for those of you that maybe have missed out on who God wants you to be, the person that God dreams for you to be, you're thinking straitjacket, you're thinking it's casual. Today, I want to give you an opportunity right here, right now in real time to bow your, your heads, open your hearts. I want to lead us in a prayer of dedicating your life to God, of saying yes to Christ, of, of saying, I want to become the best version of myself. I want to become compassionate. I want to become kind. I want to become humble and gentle and these virtues that are the spiritual wardrobe that God has for me. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me just quietly in your heart? Let me pray for us. Oh, kind Father, good and gracious God, I pray that you would move right now in our hearts. I pray that you do a miracle in my heart. I want to follow you, not half-heartedly, not casually, but I want to follow you wholeheartedly, and I want to be forgiven, and I want to live into and lean into this new life that you have for me. I want to clothe myself with these spiritual clothes, these virtues that will make me become the best version of myself. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that with me, Scripture says that you've become a new person. The old is gone, the new has come, there's a brand new life. So let's sing together this really powerful song of reflection.
When we discover that we're chosen by God and, and dearly loved by Him, something happens inside. A transformation takes place. This, this Christian journey, this life of faith, is, it, it shifts from duty to delight. It, it, it's, it's not I have to, but I, I want to. I want to become the person that these next few verses describe. Today we're just in one verse verse 12 of chapter 3 of Colossians. And uh, the first verse, let's just jump into it. It's, it. it's The first word is compassion. Compassion. It literally means a, a heart of compassion. It, it has to do with feeling deeply for a person that's hurting, that's suffering. And uh, full confession here, I... My family, they say, Dad, John, you don't have ADD, you have CDD, Compassion Deficit Disorder. And I've been trying to grow. And earlier uh, this week, I went to Shannon, my daughter. I said, Shannon, I'm speaking on compassion. Do you have a story uh, maybe I could share uh, as an illustration of maybe a time when I lacked compassion towards you as my daughter? Without missing a beat, she said, I got a thousand of those stories, Dad. <laughs> so, hey, I shouldn't be preaching this part of this sermon. I'm just faithfully obeying God by walking through the passage in the text. This is a growth area for me. Allowing the Spirit of God and the Word of God to work on my heart so that my response to people that are suffering and hurting isn't indifferent. It's not defensive. It's not, oh, it sucks to be you. It's not, oh, I'm too busy, maybe later. Um, it's not forgetful that when someone pours their heart out, I forget about it. But, you know, a compassionate person circles back. They check in. How, how are you? In small groups, hey, last week you shared. You poured your heart out. I want an update. How are you doing? I've, I've thought of you this week. I've prayed for you this week. You know, compassionate people check in, they circle back, right? And I want to grow. And I know some of you are right with me. You're going, I, I need to grow in this area. And you know, this is so important because if we want to become like Jesus, a compassionate heart is a soft heart, not a hard heart. So the more I become like Him, my heart actually is growing softer, not harder. And I want to become like Jesus. In, in Matthew 9.36, Matthew says this, When Jesus saw the crowds, He had 
compassion. There's the word. He had compassion on them. Why? Because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw people that were confused and helpless. He didn't scold them. He didn't go, you're a victim. He felt deeply for them. He wanted to help them. In fact, he prayed for them and he, he, he said to his disciples, we, we got to get more workers. We got to get more helpers. Jesus sees hurting people and he feels and then he does something. Followers of Jesus follow Jesus. Here's the second word. After compassion, that's a, that's a piece of clothing, spiritual clothing we put on every day. Here's the second. It's kindness. Kindness. What is that? Kindness is what makes others feel cared for, understood, validated. I hear you, and I'm not trying to fix you or change you, but an act of kindness is actually validating a person's story. Kindness helps another person to feel love. They walk away from interactions with you and they actually feel better about themselves. They feel encouraged. They feel like, wow, that person is so kind. Do you know, I'm going to just get personal for a moment. I have many pastors that are friends in my life. And uh, I've been comparing notes. Every single pastor, and I've spoken to many of them, Every single one has said that this COVID-19 season, as well as the racial protests uh, that are happening in our country and around the world, that this season, these three months or more, have been the toughest season of ministry and of church leadership, of pastoral leadership ever in the span of every person's ministry. And here's what I want you to know. Here's why they say that. It's like, I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't. I talked too much about this, I didn't talk enough. I was silent, so I'm violent. I talked too much, it's just... And I want you to know, and you know who you are, I have been on the receiving end of so much kindness. Yes, I got a target on my back, I've taken my hits. Those people know who they are too. But those of you that have been so kind to me, sent me texts, sent me emails, so awesome, so encouraging, helps me just to keep going to stay the course. I just want to say thank you for your love and your kindness. Now, here's, here's a, uh, another free piece of advice from research. Did you know, kind of a little change of course here, but kindness applies to marriage. Listen to this. Kindness is the most important predictor of satisfaction and stability in marriage. You want to grow a strong and healthy marriage? Become a kinder person. God is for you, and He's for your marriage. And that's why He put kindness in His wardrobe that He wants you to put on and wear. He's like, I want you to have a great marriage. Well, the way to start that is starting with you. Don't look at your spouse right now. Don't elbow him. Just you. You can only control yourself. Put on kindness every day. Be a kind person to live with. All right, now I'm going to jump to the third uh, spiritual virtue and characteristic. It's humility. So we've talked about compassion. We've talked about kindness. And now we're talking about humility. And I want you to just hear this. Humility is a choice. Humility is never in Scripture do we read 
God, make me humble. It's not that. It's something we choose for ourselves. We clothe ourselves means we participate. Clothing, we don't say, God, clothe me with humility. It's not that. God is saying, I am giving you the capacity and the desire to become a humble person. I've given you everything you need to become a godly, humble person. You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. Under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. You don't lift yourself up. You humble yourself and then God lifts you up. You know, let me just make a few comments about the antithesis of humility is arrogance and it's pride. And the difference between pride and humility is this. Pride is when you take credit for the things that God or somebody else has done for you, but you take the credit. You know, pride and arrogance is this spirit that says, I, I, I know it all. I don't need to learn. I don't need to listen. I'm accurate. My news source is accurate. My, my Bible commentaries are accurate. Everything about me is accurate and right. Humility says, there's a possibility I might be wrong. My current thinking is dot, dot, dot. There's a, there's a humility in that spirit that admits I still want to grow and learn. And let me just say that arrogance and pride ruin relationships. They do. That hard heart, that I'm better than you spirit will ruin your most important relationships. So really quickly and really practically, there are three ways to choose humility. The way up is the way down. And so three, really quick, you're going, well, how do I become humble? How do I do that? How do I partner with God? There's three spiritual practices I'm calling all of us to this week. One, serve in secrecy. Don't tell anyone, but do an act of service for someone. Over six months ago, someone knew that I was having fires in our chimney in our yard. Somebody brought anonymously, I still don't know who it is, a bunch of firewood and dumped it in my yard. I'm like, who does this? This is amazing. And they've never told me who they are. That's humility. So serve in secrecy. Two, lay down a liberty. Lay down a liberty. I'm going to just, again, share with you. We're in a season of what? Wearing masks. I'm going to be honest. I hate wearing a mask. I don't like wearing a mask. But in this day and age, we are called to wear a mask. Laying down a liberty requires humility. It's saying, you know what? I'm going to think about others before myself. I'm going to put you before me. I don't know what your condition is. You may be at risk. Oh, there's a baby. There's a senior citizen. Maybe somebody has a, a condition that you can't see. So I wear a mask. It's a way that I choose to lay down my rights or nobody's going to tell me what to do. The Spirit of Jesus is saying, I'm going to put others before myself. And so lay down a liberty is a way we choose humility. And then finally, there's a third spiritual practice to choose humility this week. It's own it all, all of it, in order to repair a relationship. What does that mean? There are many of you that have a relationship right now that needs repair. It's strained, it's broken, there's an ouch. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take everything that you want to say. All your rightness, 
and all your data and accuracy, and I want you to put it in a, in a file under G for garbage. Did you hear that? I'm talking to you, and you know who I'm talking to. And here's what I want you to do. I want you instead to go to that person, and I want you to say, I'm sorry. I hurt you. And I have a responsibility, and I own it. Would you please forgive me? That takes humility. That's owning it all in order to repair the relationship and save it. All right. There is a lot that I've just given you about compassion, kindness, and humility. Make this song that we're about to sing together the prayer of your heart. These lyrics, let them wash over your soul and let them, as you sing, wherever you are in your living room, kitchen, wherever, let this be the prayer of your heart. God, move. Such a good father 
Ocean Hills, I hope that your Bibles are open to Colossians chapter 3, and I hope that you're circling and underlining and writing notes in the column. That's, that's part of our spiritual growth. I call it interactive Bible study. Today, we've, we've really just leaned into Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, and I want you to know that there has never been a better time in my lifetime than to live out this message that we've just talked about this morning that Jesus wants us to put on compassion, kindness, and humility. I tell you what, if we as a church family begin to live this out, the world will notice that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. He is the only hope of the world. This world's not gonna change without hearts changing. Let it begin with your heart today and my heart today. We're gonna close with Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. And let me just say that we need the Spirit to give us the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. And He does it. God will give you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You just have to ask for it. This wardrobe's feeling good right now. It just fits good. Hey, we're closing up. I've asked Mark. He's our magic man, the behind-the-scenes hey. guy. All the video, all the editing, that, that the production that goes into making this a possibility. He's the guy behind it all, the camera and everything. So he's going to wrap it up for us. God is good all the time. He's better than you think. <laughs>